Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gaming Couch, where we sit back and talk about video games, board games, card games, and the like. So pull up a chair, put your feet up, let's have a good time. Hey, so you know like those off-brand, you know, foods that you can buy, where it's not like the name brand, like, instead of buying Lucky Charms, you buy, like, you know, Marshmallow Treat, whatever, like... You know, those cereals that they act like the main brand, but they're not main brands, so they're a little cheaper. So I bought some quote-unquote Cheerios the other day, you know, the, the off-brand ones, because saving three bucks compared to a box of Cheerios, I'll take that. Oh, they just tasted weird, though. Like, look, the off-brand never tastes that good as the main brand, but it just, it had such a weird taste to it. So it's it's upsetting, because I love Cheerios. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry about this tangent. This is just something really... Out of the blue, I felt I needed to say. It has no impact on anything else. So, there you go. So, welcome back, everyone. Good to see all of you again. Good to have you listening again. You know, same old, same old. Last weekend, yeah, it was needed. I know it kind of came up a little late. It was a needed just break from everything with school starting up and all the chaos that it brings and et cetera, et cetera. So, we took a little moment off, but we're here now. And honestly, I think it's for the better because I got a little got a little refreshed, and also I had some more time to play Phoenix Point. Now, in terms of development, this game it doesn't have like a super long, huge story for its development, but I feel there's something worth talking about just about its development process. So, I backed this game. I can't remember, maybe like two years ago or something like that. I honestly can't remember. It's been a long time since I gave them the money to back the project. And it was supposed to come out... Because like the, they, they kind of fell off the radar for a little bit, I swear. And I heard then they were supposed to release the game September 3rd, 2019. You know, a couple weeks ago. And so when September 3rd rolled around, they announced that they were releasing Backer Build 5, which essentially is just their beta, they call it Backer Builds. And the actual release date was pushed back to, like, November or December. This, I'm pretty sure, isn't the first time happened. And so a lot of people now, of course, question it. Like, will the game be released in a reasonable time? Was this a waste of money? And you know, the, the typical stuff of people worrying about backing unfinished products. Because it's happened before where people will back a product... And it doesn't get released, or we get like a mighty number nine where we dump all this money in, and then the game gets released, and it's like the just nothing of what was promised. Phoenix Point, though, I think, okay, I think personally, this is warranted. Like they're they're allowed to push it back because over these years, the few times I played it until recently, when I've been playing it a lot. I have seen some really big changes to the game in a good way. Like, of course, when they first released a very basic build, it was simply just like a one-off mission that you could do. There was nothing else. It was just a one-off mission. It gave you all the soldiers, you know, for certain squad and said, just kill these enemies, you know. And that let us just practice how combat worked, which if you're used to XCOM, you could get used to it if you've played Fallout. You can get used to it because it's VATS combined with kind of like XCOM strategy. So it's a nice combination. So we had that. 
And then time went on, and eventually they released a new build that had a little bit bigger of a map. And then introduced like a new class for you to play around with. And then the later build, it was still just one map, but they also introduced vehicles that you could then find on the map. And then they eventually had a build where they released the entire Geoscope. The whole world. And it was very basic, of course. It was a simple, basic thing. But it was something, you know, we at least got to fly around the planet and everything and just get an idea of what they're looking at with world building. Oh, it was still bare. Like, you could do missions, but the missions were kind of just the same thing over and over again without much change, which this is really important to bring up. And now I have this build where other than having, like, I guess like cutscenes, kind of like what XCOM had, and a few little narrative bits to kind of like have a cohesive story. The game's practically finished. Like, there's definitely some quality of life things I'm looking for and a few things to be clarified better. But otherwise, it's it's there. Like, the game's really there. And after all this time, like, the one class they had the engineer, well, you started with the engineer, and then they got rid of that. You know, you no longer start with the engineer. Instead, actually, the engineer is a specialized class for one of the factions that you have to then befriend to get an engineer. So that's really cool. And then... Other factions have specialized units that you can hire on if you're lucky to find them, and you have good relationships. So they're starting to expand how recruitment works and removing a few things. So that changed happened. And then the whole thing with the aliens, what's really important about this is any of you who heard about Phoenix Point even from the start, one of their really big things was the enemy adapting to your strategy because it's supposed to be a mutation. It's a virus. Well, when they first released the Geoscape, I really wasn't seeing that. I essentially was fighting the same crabman over and over again, like one or two different models. Nothing really flashy. But now, the name Triton will come up a lot, like a, a fish man. The name will come up a lot, but I never have any idea what kind of Triton I'm going to be fighting. Like, there's a bunch of different Tritons. Essentially, it's like, you know, you're mixing and matching. I'm t- what was the thing I was thinking of? Um, wow, I just lost it. But essentially, they, they'll take, like, various body parts and just start sticking them together. And, you know, it's a build-your-own-enemy sort of thing that the game does to try and counteract your strategies. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. The game's still being produced. So maybe there'll be a little bit more clarifications there and things kind of get ironed out a bit better. But now I'm seeing, like, how everything's starting to come together. And you know what? They push it back to December. That's fine. There are... Honestly, my big gripe right now is... The biggest thing that I run into is the game freezing. Like, there are bugs and glitches where the game will freeze. It's not so much like, okay, I missed when I should have hit or anything like that. Like, little things in combat that I can keep playing the game. No, it's like the game just stops working. I can't complete a mission. Things like that. Like, one of the biggest issues I had with the current playthrough I'm going through, there was a good solid, like, three or four missions I did to get supplies where the game glitched and I wasn't able to finish the mission like even though i killed all the enemies and i ran around the entire map to make sure they were all dead and the pandorian turn was just skipped altogether because they were all dead the game didn't register that i won the mission and therefore i had to evac and lose all the supplies which was a big setback for me that's really the main issues of the game i'm running into in terms of being unfinished is just not being able to complete a mission which is a big hindrance outside of that though the combat is Pretty straightforward, pretty smooth. Not really run into any problems there. The UI interface, occasionally, like, 
I'll click on the map and it won't register. So I have to like then do a right click instead. Like I just got to fidget with the mouse a little bit and it'll register. So little quality of life things, which again, if they push the game back and they're able to clean up qual- these quality of life things, I'm fine with that. Like I'm really, I'm fine with that because the game needs polish. The game is at a point where it really just needs polish. Okay. And I want to take this time to, I got a list essentially. I got a list and I want to go through this list and just highlight some of the things about the game, the good and the bad about it. Sometimes those go hand in hand. Certain elements are very good, but it leads to problems in the game. I'll explain that in a minute. And, of course, compare this to XCOM, because that was still one of their big pushes is, hey, you know some of those guys that made XCOM, which was a great game? Well, they're doing it again, you know, they're, but they're doing it differently. They're adding some new elements to it and et cetera, et cetera. So if you've played XCOM, you're probably like Phoenix Point. And I can safely say as a fan of XCOM Enemy Unknown and having a few playthroughs of XCOM 2 under my belt, yeah, Phoenix Point, it it feels like a spiritual successor of XCOM with some added bells and whistles that are for the better. They added a few things that are much, much better. So I think to start this list off, to start off this discussion of Phoenix Point, let's get the big one out of the way. One of the the biggest positives the game has, which is their ballistic system. Excuse me, their ballistic system. I love this death, all right? Any of you who have ever played XCOM before, you probably will have some sort of flashback, some nightmares, when I say... Your sniper with a 95% chance to hit misses. It's the worst fucking thing in the world. Or your, sh- your shock trooper, the guy with the shotgun, your assault up front with a 99% chance to hit and an 80% chance to crit doesn't kill the enemy in one shot like he needs to to survive. Happens all the fucking time in XCOM. Because it's a dice roll. It is a percentage. There's a percentage chance to miss. And on the flip side, the enemy will have like a 10% chance to hit you and one-shots you. That dice roll... It, it's a dice roll, and sometimes it's not in your favor, and it sucks because then the odds are just played against you. I think Phoenix Point fixed that. So their ballistic system, as they've described it and as I've seen in-game, it's more of a realistic ballistic system. So let's take something like their uh, the assault rifle. I think it's like an AR-51 is what it's called in the game, something like that, for the assault trooper. It's an assault rifle, and it holds... I want to say like 20, 30 rounds, okay? And that's not 20, 30 rounds and then you reload. Like they still have the reload mechanic in there. No, no, what that is, it's 20 or 30 rounds that are fired in bursts of like six or five. The numbers came off the top of my head. It fires in bursts. So if I go to target a a unit and I hit the fire button, if if the gun fires in a burst of five, it will fire five bullets. Each of those bullets individually does a certain damage. So like 30 damage, for example. So if all five bullets hit, it'll deal 150 damage. And yes, they they play big numbers in this game. It's not like you have 20 HP, it's you have 200. So the bullets have substantial damage. And the way they show that percentage is a reticule. They have these two circles. There's a smaller orange circle in the center of the screen that represents the 50%. That says... Okay, about 50% of your shots will go in here, roughly. And then there's a larger circle around it, a blue one saying, well, definitely all of your shots will be inside this blue circle. 
So now you take those odds. If an enemy fills up the orange circle, odds are you have a 50% chance of hitting them with all your shots. But there's still that second larger ring on the outside that your bullets could also go into and it'll completely miss. So now, instead of you just looking at a number and saying, I have a 70% chance to shoot, should I take it? It's instead you're trying to line up the shot best for your units based on their stats with their accuracy and the type of gun they're using, as well as the environment. Because cover then, since there's no percent chance to hit, cover just simply blocks line of sight, which is incredibly important. If you have a unit that has a wide spread, like early assault troopers with their assault rifles, the spread of bullets is pretty wide. If an enemy is behind a lot of cover, like some big cover, I wouldn't use them to shoot that unit because, yes, I still have a chance to hit, but I might just hit the cover and do no damage to them. And maybe like two bullets might hit them doing very minimal damage. I'd rather get more bang for my buck and position them and run around the cover to get behind them to guarantee the shot. Because again, since it's not a percent roll, if you flank the enemy, you're essentially guaranteed to hit if you're close enough. XCOM, even flanking the enemy, there's still a chance to miss. A substantial chance to miss. This game does not matter. It's just run around and shoot them. And that also means enemy size is a big deal. The larger the enemy, the more likely you are to hit it even at a further range. There are these units I saw, Chirians or something like that. I saw these massive four-legged walking artillery units that can shoot this goo out that pretty much glue you to the floor for like three or four turns. It's non-lethal, but it's definitely annoying when you have a bunch of enemies running at you. Now, these things are the size of like an RV. Like, they're massive. So I can take my assault unit, who has a pretty wide spread, and even if I'm halfway across the map, I'm just going to take the fucking shot. Because the guy is big enough that he fills up the circle. I might not hit the same body part multiple times, which I'll get to in a minute why that's important. But still, it, my percent chance to hit a large enemy is larger. Like, XCOM, I think they implemented that. I think somewhere in their dice rolling... They, they counted for, like, a larger enemy. But it really wasn't anything significant. And even for larger enemies, they'd be like, well, the enemy has armor, so, you know, you might just miss anyway. That's, that's not in this game. Like, if an enemy has armor, that doesn't change the chance to hit. That just reduces damage. So this ballistic system is amazing. And it, it works very well, because for the burst shots, it's all about lining up to get the most damage. And then for something like snipers, with some abilities, it should have come down to, I'm going to make this reticule as small as fucking possible, and then I will thread the fucking needle. Because it's free, it's free aim. So if you have line of sight to a target, you can do the XCOM thing by you bring up the firing, and you can just hit tab and circle through the enemies you have line of sight to to take the shot. Let's say there's an enemy you really want to take down. You know where the enemy is, but you don't technically have line of sight to them. So let's take something like a sniper then. Sniper, really good accuracy. So this just happened in a mission I was doing. There was an, an enemy behind like a lamppost. I really needed to take the enemy down, but technically my sniper didn't have line of sight to that enemy, so I couldn't just target them by hitting tab. So instead I went into free aim, and instead of hitting tab to circle through, I just moved the mouse. Because now, essentially, it was like a first-person shooter. I was just 
aiming with my mouse, and I moved over to where I knew the enemy was, and then I saw it. There was a little flash of orange, which shows you're targeting the enemy and you're targeting a certain body part. And so through a very small sliver of them sticking out from behind the post, I got a shot on them. I took the shot and ended up killing the guy because I did enough damage. It's a sniper. So this free aim is a great benefit for that reason. You can still pull off shots even if you technically can't see them. And something goes with the whole cover thing again. Some pieces of cover are like thin sheet metal, not that strong, like an old hanger, essentially. If I'm shooting five, six bullets, the first two or three shots could probably destroy the cover. So if I know there's an enemy on the other side of that cover, even though I don't technically don't have line of sight, I'm just going to fire a few bullets into it, take down the cover, and probably hit the enemy on the other side of, with a few bullets. I can do that now, now with free aim. It's not just dedicated to line of sight. Having line of sight obviously helps because you can specifically target the enemy. You can target their body parts easier and things like that. But if you just want to take kind of a shot in the dark because you know the enemy's in that location, you're allowed to do that. You just got to be careful because with their realistic ballistic system, it's also ammunition is a little more realistic. XCOM, you had to reload your guns. After four shots, five shots, six shots, whatever it was, you had to reload your weapon and you can keep going. Pretty straightforward, makes sense, no big deal. And then at the end of the mission, it's whatever, you keep going. Same thing in Phoenix Point. You get your number of shots. Even if it's a burst fire, that means you can fire like five bursts before you have to reload. It's all good, straightforward. But then, you need to carry ammo. You have inventory slots for each unit. And unlike XCOM, where the inventory slots, it's like, I have one thing of armor on my body, which counts as my whole armor piece. I have my one gun, I have an offhand item. This is, no, you have three slots for body, head, chest, pants, so you can mix match armor. You have three hand slots, essentially, which are one to three items that you can just hot swap between during combat. So assault rifle, grenade, med kit is a base lineup for an early assault unit. And then you have six inventory slots, which these inventory slots didn't exist until more recent builds. And in those six inventory slots, you can carry whatever you want. Additional weapons, additional medkits, additional ammo, for example. Up to a limit. Every character has certain stats. We'll get to that later. And so you can carry up to a certain amount of your stats, otherwise you're over-encumbered. So now you have to watch ammo, which means if I'm going into a mission and I forget to equip extra ammo on my assaults, they'll be able to fire those five bursts from their assault rifle, and then they're out of ammo. And essentially, unless they have a pistol... They're pretty much useless the rest of the mission. And then with that, on a whole, with your whole organization with the Phoenix Project, you have to craft ammo. Ammo is not unlimited in this game. Unlike XCOM, where just you always had unlimited ammo, you just had to reload during a mission. This is no. You got 20 things of, you know, AR-51 ammunition in storage. You have... Better make sure you build some more later because you're going to run out eventually, especially if you have a lot of assault units. So that kind of doesn't force, but it welcomes a bit more diversity in your units that you take on a mission. Because if I deploy five assault units that have all assault rifles, I'm going to need to build a lot of assault ammunition, a lot of assault rifle ammunition, 
to keep them well stocked. Because after every mission, I want to resupply them with two or three extra mags. So for the next mission, they have ammo to use. But now I have two guys using assault rifles. I got one guy using a melee weapon, so ammo's free for him. A dude with a shotgun, I have a sniper, and then a guy carrying around a giant grenade launcher. So with the exception of those two assault guys, they all use different ammo. So as much as, yes, I've diversified the amount of ammo I use, I don't have to spend as much either. Because the sniper can kill a guy in one shot. So he's probably going to use less ammo than my assault unit. Especially the guy with the shotgun. I'll get to him later. I have a guy with a shotgun. And he'll burn through ammo with the amount of damage he can do. So most of the time I'm dedicated just spending supplies building him ammunition. The sniper, I know he'll be fine. My heavy with his grenades... He'll be fine because it's it's not normal grenades. It's like special ammunition. And it's like you could fire a good like 15 to 20 grenades before reloading. So he'll be fine also. I'm not worried about building ammo for him yet. That helps in saving supplies because you need those supplies to build just about anything. New equipment, new vehicles, upgrade your base. All that kind of stuff requires these supplies. So with this ballistic system demanding you have real like actual ammo to track... Finding a way to circumvent that helps. And like I said, now that I have a melee unit, yeah, it might be tough some missions because he can't do things at range. That's one less guy I have to give ammo to. I'm okay with that because that means that's more ammo I can give to my sniper, to my assault and all that kind of stuff. So this ballistic system, I got to say, it is it is amazing because it also applies to the enemies too. So if you know the enemy has a machine gun, you know they're going to do a couple of shots on their turn. Maybe you get behind cover. Maybe you back up so you're out of range so they can't shoot you, etc., etc., etc. Because their action points go the same as yours. If it takes you two actions to fire a burst from your assault rifle, if they have an assault rifle, it's going to take two actions for them to burst through, use a burst from that. So use that knowledge to your advantage. Everyone plays by the same rules of this ballistic system. So it's great. That's like 100% just beautiful. I, I love I love their ballistic system so much. Now, ballistics only comes really into play when you're doing a mission, which let's talk about the missions real quick. There's a bit more di- diversity now with the missions. There's scavenging missions where you'll find a location on the map that has supplies, so go down and get, get the supplies. To get said supplies, you have to kill all the enemies and protect the crates. Simple stuff. There are ambushes, which I've been running into a lot lately. It can be really annoying. You start the mission in the middle of the map, and you're surrounded by enemies. You can kill them all or survive for five turns, whichever comes first. Okay, pretty straightforward stuff. Also, there are defense missions. Remember the terror attacks of XCOM, where randomly throughout the game, it'll be like, oh no, there's a terror attack at this major city. You need to go protect it, otherwise you're going to lose the support of these people. I'm talking XCOM 1. You'll lose the continent support by not protecting their people. So I was like, fuck me, I guess I gotta do this terror mission. And I gotta protect these civilians who are very dumb. Well, they've also brought that back in this game too. Havens can get under attack. You know, these little settlements that belong to various fractions that are supposed to be safe places for mankind. Sometimes they come under attack. Now, what's pretty cool is there's an odd. There's these odds to these haven attacks. Which... I'll get into details about those because I like how they set up the odds. Sometimes you don't need to protect the havens and those protects itself, which is pretty cool. They also have these missions to take on a Pandora nest. So obviously these this virus mutating these things 
Well, it turns out they also they come from eggs. So you might get a mission to attack a Pandora nest or a lair. All right, the lairs being just a bit more complex than the nests. These are very stressful missions because there's so much going on with all these enemies. The thing that confuses me is the purpose of destroying them, which we'll get more details on that later. So all these different mission types has a nice diversity to them. The ambushes can be annoying because you could just be flying around looking for supplies, then boom, you get ambushed, hold out. It's like, well, fuck me, I guess I got it now. The drawback I find to them, the, the big drawback I find to the missions are the numbers. There's a lot of enemies. Now, I'm not talking like 10. I'm talking like 25. So remember in XCOM, pretty much for the most part, you had pods. Three, maybe four enemies clustered together would be in a pod, and they would just be walking around the map. And when you engage them, when they spotted you, boom, you'd go into a fight. And essentially, you would want to take out this pod of enemies before the next pod activates. You know, before either they patrol and walk into you or you accidentally move to a location and alert them. Because the enemies were relatively strong. And if you accidentally tried to move somebody to get a better shot and they piss off the next pod, shit. Now, like, all my other guys already went and it turns into big problems because now there's all these enemies going to be shooting at me and my turn's almost done. You see what happens. Like, everything kind of just falls together. And we all know XCOM... The aliens always have the favor of the dice rolls. They always conveniently hit you at the worst time possible. It happens. So here now, with they have so many enemies, but enemies don't patrol. Essentially, the enemies are always aware of your location. And since they all start kind of clustered together, you know that, okay, they're probably in this area. What am I going to do to prepare for this? There's six of me. 25 of them. How are we going to tilt this odds in our favor? So where XCOM, it's more you're just kind of going around activating pods one at a time to complete the mission. This is more where is the best place to hold out? Especially when you have an ambush mission, you're surrounded by enemies. So normally, like on a normal mission, you would start in the bottom left-hand corner and all the enemies would start in the top right-hand corner. All right, and then just skirmish. Go ahead, do what you got to do. But for an ambush, you're one, you're surrounded. You're completely surrounded by enemies. So now it's like, you probably start near some sort of building. What, how can we use this building to our advantage? What can we do to hold up in this building to give ourselves the best chance of surviving this ambush? And you got to crunch the numbers now, you know? Got to take into consideration those shots. Like, yes, that enemy is far away, and I don't have a lot of ammo, so do I try and take the shot? Because... Unlike XCOM, where, you know what, it might be a 15% chance to hit, but fuck it, I'm going to take the shot anyway. This is probably about the same, maybe a 15% chance. Like, the enemy takes up a small section of the orange circle. Do I waste the ammo trying to kill this guy, or at least wound him before he gets closer? Or do I leave it? And then on his turn, he might move forward and drop a grenade on me or something. There's more to think about with the amount of enemies they have. And... When you have a mission with diverse amount of enemies, it's even harder. A lot of times I'll get into a mission and I'll see like the same enemy copy and paste it over. I hope this, again, is a quality of life thing that will change later, that you'll have diverse enemies in all missions. Because the missions that I drop into that have diverse enemies, my, my, the gears start turning. I have to think much harder 
my strategy is completely changing. Because if I have guys with shields and grenade launchers, and that's all they have, I'm like, okay, I know I can take care of the guys closest to me and I'll be fine. But if I have guys with shields and grenade launchers backed up by stealth snipers, because those are a thing, and there's a siren running around, which I know can either buff them or mind control one of my guys, who should I focus on right now? Now, the gameplay is much, much different. And also, with those snipers, I could play aggressively to take out the grenadiers before they get close enough. However, that could leave me out in the open for the snipers to start plucking off my units that I use to play like the, the aggressive the aggressive play. Now everything's taking longer. Like you have to pause. You have to pause and now think much more about what's going on, especially when your units are of a lower level, like level two, level three. Much more caution goes into it. I feel that XCOM didn't have. Like XCOM had caution of like, I don't want to piss off the next pod, especially at the start of the game. But this is, okay, I have much more caution because I know they're coming for me. They know I'm here. I know they're here. And we got to get ready. Like We have to be ready. And with those sniper enemies, it's so much more terrifying to fight enemy snipers than anything else. Because most of the time, if it's a non-sniper, I'll see them before they reach me. And then I'll know what kind of gear they have. And I can counteract that with my own sniper or something like that, right? But enemy snipers, well, they play by the same rules our snipers do. If they can, if any unit can spot them, then that means the sniper knows they're there, <clears throat> and they can draw a line of sight. They will shoot you. And if you're playing the defense and hold up in a building, you might not know where those snipers are. And the next thing you know, you get a bolt through the head, and one of your guys dies. It's terrifying, and I love it. I, I love it for that reason. When their snipers splashed in, I've had missions where all of the enemies are just sniper based. And it was it was grueling. It was actually tiring. It wasn't challenging or frightening. Because here's the thing about having so many enemies. There's so many things the enemy has to do on their turn. To start of a mission, after the first turn, unless you kill a lot of troops, you'll still have like 20 guys that have to go. And then you're sitting there, there's like Pandorian activity. And you're sitting there and waiting for all these guys to move or all these guys to shoot. And especially if you have guns that can fire multiple times per turn, like a pistol... You'll be sitting there listening to like 20, 40 pistol shots ring out in the distance as they're taking shots and everything. Accuracy may not be great, but still, it's just, okay, okay, okay. Uh, like, you're just waiting. You're just kind of waiting and twiddling your thumbs for everything to be over, and then on your turn to react. Like, okay, did anyone get hurt badly? Do I see any new enemies? You know, then the strategy comes back into play. It's It's kind of grueling at times, just waiting that long. And also... Phoenix Point still suffers the same problem XCOM does with their missions. The difficulty curve is ass-fucking-backwards. Beginning of the game, it's very hard. Your units are low-level, and uh, they don't do a lot of damage. They can't do a lot on their turn. They're not very fast, so it takes a bit to kill one enemy. But when they get max level, it's a fucking joke. So here's a beautiful example. I have a guy by the name of Wilhelm. He has a shotgun. He's also a level 7. The max level for a unit is level 7. Okay? I mentioned a mission will have like 25 enemies, for example, right? Wilhelm can single-handedly in one turn kill 15 enemies. Sometimes. Not all the time. Because of the abilities he has. 
So when I kill so many enemies at once, it's just, okay, click, shoot, click, shoot, click, shoot, click, shoot. It feels good sometimes, like, seeing a guy can just wipe the floor. But then it's like, what's the point of having all these enemies? If I can drop these enemies so quickly, why do we have so many? Because then panic happens. You know, if you kill enough enemies and the opponents lose enough willpower, they'll panic. And then so on their turn, they do nothing. They kind of, like, retreat, hold up somewhere, and just recover and rest and try and get their willpower back. So instead of me worrying about these 25 enemies taking a shot at me, let me just kill five or six of them instantly on my turn because I can do that now with such high-level units that the entire enemy spirals into a panic, and it's now it's more just a matter of can I kill enough in one turn? Not because that means they take less shots at me, but that means they just skip their turn. You know, their willpower is low enough now. If I kill three more guys, they'll break again and go into another panic. Then the mission's just kind of... Ugh. Of just having to move forward and just being like, whatever. Moving on. Whatever. Wipe the floor with them. Go forward. The few times the randomizer comes into effect, though, the game's much more different. And that's why I hope they really iron out this whole enemies evolving to your play style. Because when it works, it works very, very well for these missions. Here's a key example, all right? I was doing a Haven mission. Now, with the Havens, you have to protect civilians, okay? Or some important structures, okay? It depends. So the first Haven mission I went to do, I was defending these important computers from being destroyed by the enemy. This was the first time I saw Tritons. And when I first saw them... I was kind of worried because I discovered they had pistols, so they're not that strong with guns, but they have blood-sucking arms on top of that, so if they hit you in melee, they drain health from you, so that's a problem. And they also have a chameleon ability. Should they get shot, they turn invisible. Holy shit. My original strategy was just run and gun. I would just run for both the assaults, being supported by the heavy and the sniper, and just start wiping out the closest enemies. Now I can't do that anymore. Now I have to think, okay, can I kill this guy in one hit? Can I wound this guy in such a way that he cannot camouflage? Now my, my strategy is changing. Like, they're not super powerful enemies, yes. However, the fact that I only get one chance a turn to take him out, now I have to think more of my strategy. And that made the game more enjoyable for me. It still wasn't too difficult, though, because of some of the abilities I had. They have a return fire ability. So if one of my guys got hit in melee or at range and the enemy was in view of another trooper that had return fire, that trooper would shoot back at the enemy because he just attacked. So the Tritons were dropping pretty easily because when they walked up and smacked me in melee, I'd have like two or three guys return fire and gun him down on his turn. Fast forward, a couple missions later, Tritons appear. I'm like, okay, whatever, more Tritons, I can handle this. Why the fuck do they look different? Now, also, these are tritons without blood-sucking arms. They have paralyzers, so if they hit you in melee, they could paralyze you. And they're also rocking sniper rifles. So now, I didn't have Wilhelm just run around gunning them down with a shotgun. Now, I had to wait for them to go into a certain position to either flush them out with grenades or wait till they get close enough to the building we're holed up in, and then Wilhelm runs out and starts gunning them down with his shotgun. Now, the name of the game is changing. And then I got used to it. I was able to kind of work against these snipers. Hell, at one point I had to do a mission with only three units instead of six. And I was up against only snipers. We held up in a building where you were able to pull it off. 
It felt good. It was stressful, but it felt good. So the game changed again. The most recent time I fought Tritons, they changed some of their body parts so they had regenerative abilities. They had higher health and better armor on them. And now they're packing shotguns. Since the long-range snipers wasn't working in their favor, they instead held up these guys with camouflage that also had shotguns. So if I shot them, they camo. They can use that camo on their turn to just move up to me without being spotted. And then right in my face, boom, shotgun. I'm done. Okay, wait. Now I got to change things. Like, you see how the strategy has to keep changing. Still, with having such high-level troops, it wasn't overly difficult. I just appreciate the fact that I have to think now. And with all these enemies on the board, it's not just a... Clean sweep, run in, kill all the enemies, and leave. It's now, okay, who are the big targets? That guy all the way in the back with the machine gun, I can leave because this Triton right now is coming up to me, and I really need to take care of him before he reaches the building because he can kill my sniper in one shot with that shotgun. Now the strategy kind of comes back into play when the AI plays right, like with the modifications to enemies. That's the problem with ambushes. Ambushes, for the most part, always have, like, the same enemy, copy and pasted, copy and pasted. And when they have low health and low armor, someone like Wilhelm can take out 15 of them. Because he has an ability where he can move for free without spending an action point, take a couple shots, reload for free, move again for free, take a couple shots. And every time he kills somebody, he gets action points back. He's, it spirals out of control. Remember XCOM 2 War of the Chosen? Part of my biggest gripe with that game is it made it too easy. Honestly. Endgame was way too easy. I remember watching a YouTube video of some guy at the end of War of the Chosen. So he was doing just a random mission, Endgame. So you had all these powerful guys. You had the Archons. You had the uh, the Gatekeepers. All this crazy shit going down. He completed the entire mission in one turn using only his assault. Because of how many free actions the assault got and all the other crazy shit the assault could do in War of the Chosen. It was kind of pathetic to watch. And I've had those experiences with War of the Chosen 2 where I could just mindlessly go through a mission not care. Hell, the one time I was curious and I decided to do the final mission without killing any of the Chosen so they'd all appear for the final mission. They all appeared one at a time instead of like... Oh no, so they all appeared one after another instead of all at once. They were just segmented. And I really just didn't care. I'm like, okay, cool, there's the assassin. Boom, I shot him in the face of the shotgun moving on because like I was so powerful. That curve does exist here in Phoenix Point with some of the troops, depending on the enemies you get. So if I have a bunch of Arthurians, the pronouncing names are really hard. Like kind of what was the Crabmen. If there's a bunch of them on the board and they have like pinchers and grenade launchers and not a lot of armor, I'll wipe the floor with them. On the flip side though, if a mission has enemies with machine guns, it's a different story. Because that adaptation is bad for someone like Wilhelm. With my shotgun, I get up close, boom, one shot, I could probably take him out and then move on. However, with those machine guns, I mentioned before that whole return fire mechanic. If a lot of enemies have machine guns and they're clustered close together, if Wilhelm takes one shot point blank to kill a guy instantly, the three or four buddies he has around him all get returned fire, and then Wilhelm goes from 200 health to 50 health after killing one dude. So that's why the missions, with all of their enemies, it needs to be modified a little bit. They need to diversify the profiles, I feel, for the enemies 
for that reason. Because if I start a mission and there's 20 identical enemies, depending on the type of enemy it is, I'm going to be able to just use one unit to counteract them pretty well. Like, let's say all those guys have those machine guns so Wilhelm can't hurt them. Let me get Ollie, who has a grenade launcher. He'll just blast a couple grenades into them because they're clustered together. And their limbs are so weak that their arms will fall off and they'll bleed to death and never shoot their guns. But if it's a heavily armored unit and they take they have damage reduction, Ollie's now useless. Because again, that armor will shrug off the blast. So I'll send I'll you know, I'll send in Wilhelm, aim for the chest with all that armor, and poof, dead. We gotta mix up a little bit here, Phoenix Point. Give me a little more bit of a mix with your enemies. And I think we'd have a good balance because then I would know I would have to look and instead of just saying, OK, I, how many enemies can kill in one turn? It's OK, who are the main targets and who do I have to counter that? Because that that becomes very important with how many people are on the board. Hmm. That was a lot. That was a lot of talking about missions. We kind of got into some tangents there. That's fine. One of the tangents, though, uh, that I talked about blowing arms off is the addition of, like, a VATS-style system, okay? XCOM, and most games like it, it's just, you target the person, that's that. Now, what they did in Phoenix Point is they took a note from Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 in New Vegas and said, hey, what if we made each individual body part be able to be targeted and take damage? So an enemy still has overall health, all right? That, that's, not, that's not changing. Everyone sells overall health. But health is also now distributed to each limb in addition. And the numbers aren't perfect. Like, if you add up the health points of each limb, I don't think it totals their max health altogether, which is fine. What this means, though, is when you're doing a free aim, you could target the head, the body, the legs, the arms. You can even target their weapons. And that's, again, where the strategy comes into play, which is why snipers are so good. Because they can have pinpoint accuracy and specifically target certain pieces on the enemy to weaken them. So I just finished a mission recently where I had these crab guys that had machine guns and grenade launchers. Now, the grenade launchers are kind of a problem. Because they're grenades. AOE blast, they do some significant damage. And since it's a blast, it has a pretty good chance of destroying your gun. Because if your gun takes enough damage, it breaks, you can no longer use it. The guy doesn't have it for the rest of the mission. They have to replace the gun after the mission. So these crab guys had grenade launchers, but they also had machine guns. And I was looking them over while I was aiming, and I noticed their limbs were slightly different. The arm with the grenade launcher, which they usually had in front of them, had some heavy plating. It had like 30 armor, which means if I shoot them, it reduces the damage by 30. So my assaults are useless here. If they try and shoot that arm and they only do 30 damage per bullet, they'll do absolutely no damage to the crab on that arm. But the machine gun arm, machine gun arm had no armor. It was a little bit smaller. It was a little thinner because it didn't have armor. But it was much easier to destroy. So my strategy, again, it changed. When my assaults ran up with their assault rifles, I instead decided to target the machine gun arms. Mainly because, one, they could do the most damage there because it didn't have any armor because the legs had extra armor and the chest was a bit armored, but the arm wasn't for whatever reason. So I target that to do a lot of damage. If you do enough damage to the limb, it breaks and you start to bleed, which is great. And also, it would make them lose a machine gun. Now, yes, the grenade launcher is a problem because of the AoE. 
if I spread my guys out enough, I don't have to worry about them all getting caught in the same blast. But now that I destroyed that machine gun, because I targeted the arm specifically, someone like Wilhelm can run in and clean up, because the enemy can't return fire. It, it can't return fire with a grenade launcher. It can only return fire with the machine gun. Well, I got rid of that machine gun, so now he can go in safely and start cleaning things up. So this whole body part thing is really cool, because it, it adds more to the strategy. The Tritons, they have four arms. Two arms to hold their weapons, and then two other changing arms, like the the, uh, the Bloodsuckers, the Paralyzers. There's also these mist emitters, so they could like expand this mist, this gas around them, that would block line of sight for your troops. So they essentially could drop it and hide within the mist to recover for a minute, or take pot shots, and you just you can't target them because you can't see them. So now if I see a Triton, and depending on the arms I see, do I go after the utility arms, like the mist emitters, or do I try and target the arms with the guns? Or do I just blow up the gun itself? Like if they have a sniper, and my sniper can see them, I usually just target the gun, because I can't kill a Triton in one hit with my sniper. So I'll just blow up the gun and be like, okay, I don't have to worry about him for now. When he gets close to me, I'll take care of him because I don't want to get paralyzed. But the distance, it's fine. And it also goes into some of their unique abilities. Tritons can have either the camouflage or regeneration, which usually comes from their body. So again, let's say I really want to kill this Triton, but he has camouflage. I'm going to ignore everything on him and specifically target the torso and try and get my best shot on the torso. Because if I can disable his torso, one, he'll be bleeding, which does damage over time, which is amazing. And he can no longer camo. So even if I can't kill him in one shot, I can break his torso. Now he can't camouflage. Someone else can run in and clean up the mess. You know, or I can just let him be for now because he'll bleed out eventually. Because every time you break a limb, it adds another 10 points of bleed damage. So going back to conserving ammo with the ballistic system, if you target enough limbs and break enough of them so the enemy starts bleeding, don't shoot them anymore. If they're taking 40 points of bleed damage at the start of their turn... I'm not going to bother shooting because in a turn or two, those bleed out. I'll just back up so they can't shoot me. Pretty nice and easy. And same thing goes for your units too. If the enemy can get their limbs targeted, you can get your limbs targeted too, and you suffer the same penalties. If your head gets shot, you lose willpower. If your torso gets shot, you lose some max health. If your legs get shot, you're slower. The big one is your arms. My opinion, next to the gun getting destroyed... The worst thing to have happen is your arm getting disabled. A lot of guns are two-handed. So if you lose use of one of your arms, you can only imagine what that means for you. <laughs> you can't use the gun that requires two hands because your one arm is just broken. So the one mission I was doing when I had to fight a bunch of Triton snipers with only three units, we held up in a building because one, it was safest, and two... Because I didn't know the Tritons were out there right away, I perched my sniper up on a tower, and the Tritons were like, I'm going to fuck up his day. They didn't kill my sniper, but instead, they managed to break his arm. So now, my sniper couldn't snipe anymore. He had a pistol, at least, so I had him hiding in the building, covering one of the entrances with a pistol. One of my big damage dealers that could shoot enemies from across the map was now incapacitated almost. I lost his big damage. I lost the use of my sniper due to the broken arm. So the enemy, I don't know how smart they are when it comes to targeting or if it's just up to random luck, but it it happens where you can get screwed easily. Your leg can get broken, and now you're limping into cover, and you can't reach the cover in time because you're slowed down. Hell, there have been times where 
I'll do a spread shot. And this is what's really cool, again, about the ballistic system that even goes into limb damage. Because the limbs are all separate parts, if you're shooting a burst into a group of enemies, you might hit the enemy you're want, intending to hit, but one of your shots might miss and hit the arm of the guy behind him. So if enemies are clustered together, burst weapons can be very effective for that. You can use that to your advantage, like with return fire. Let's say there's two enemies line, like two enemies next to each other, and they have machine guns, so they would do return fire. If I position myself so it goes a straight line between from me, an enemy, and then the enemy behind him, that return fire will hit his friend, so you can use that to your advantage on the field. So maybe the guy doesn't have as much armor in the back, or his you know he has a shield up and his legs are more exposed behind him or whatever. I want to have your buddy shoot you behind you because he's going to return fire on me and you're just in the way. The strategy is great, like trying to target certain limbs, trying to figure out which enemy is the most dangerous. Like, there's some good strategy in the game. I, I and I'm loving it. I'm really, really loving it, which is why I want missions to be a little more diversified. Give us different enemies consistently. It would be beautiful because beyond that, I enjoy how the enemies interact. The one exception is fucking Mindfraggers. For all I care, you can get rid of Mindfraggers, and I'll have no problems with that. Mindfraggers mind control you. It's a one-off thing. Think, they ha- think of like the facehuggers from Alien. They latch onto your face, and you are then mind-controlled. So they can only do it once. Like they, they detach their head from their body, and it jumps onto you, and now you're mind-controlled. So the Mindfragger dies, but you lose your unit reason why I hate these little fuckers, again, line of sight works differently here. First off, these guys are really fast. They can cover a lot of distance quickly. Second, they can mind control you. We'll get to that in a minute. Thirdly, they are very small. I'm talking like cat size compared to human, like a cat size. They are very small. So there have been times where I'm advancing on some enemies to take them out with like Wilhelm or one of my other assault guys. And there'll be a relatively small rock that I'm going to pass. I'm like, cool, I'll just shoot up around this rock, flank the enemies, and take them down. Well, as I round the rock, suddenly like, enemy spotted. It's a Mindfragger. Now, luckily, if you spot a new enemy, you stop your movement and it doesn't use up all your action points. It'll just stop you and you can react to the enemy you saw if you want to change your mind. So I appreciate that for the game. It gives you a chance to react to the Mindfragger that's appeared. But what I hate is, fuck me, there's a Mindfragger here now. And I need to kill this thing because I don't want it to mind control my unit. They, they throw such a big wrench into your plan, and there's always so many of them. It's never just one Mindfragger. There's always like three or four Mindfraggers. Hell, I just did a mission where I killed three fucking Mindfraggers. I'm like, okay, good. There's not a lot of enemies left. I'm going to have my assault hold up here. So next turn, he runs out the building, shoots the enemies, and we're good to go. Well, fuck me. Because of the small little shit I didn't see, there was a Mindfragger on the other side of the door, but I didn't see it because how small it was. And then on the turn, it just crawled up over the wall, jumped down, and mind-controlled my assault. Well, fuck me for not seeing it. I saw every enemy on the field but the Mindfragger because it was standing behind a one-foot section of wall on the other side of the door. Fuck me, then. It's like, it's so annoying. It's a cool mechanic. Don't get me wrong. Mind control is always a really cool mechanic. That really forces a change in your strategy when it happens. Like, that's why sirens can be very deadly. They have this enemy called the siren that can do the same thing. It can mind control one of your units 
from a distance, not up close. Like it doesn't have to be right up next to your unit. It can mind control from a distance. So that can add in a lot of problems if you're clustered together. Just, I hate the mind fraggers because, one, it's stuck onto your face. So you have to get it off. But of course, the guy that's being face hugged isn't going to do it. He's mind controlled. So someone else has to do it. Now, if he like mind controls a guy with return fire and you don't kill the face hugger right away or you shoot another enemy, well, your own assault now is going to shoot at you because they have return fire and they're being mind controlled by the enemy. So you have to dedicate someone to immediately remove the hugger. You can do it a number of ways. You can shoot at it, which if you use a burst weapon could be dangerous because if you kill the face hugger, you might shoot your friend in the head. So it's better to use like a sniper. One shot, very precise. You can shoot it off. You can also use melee. You could just walk up and bash the thing, which works too. So it falls off. Cool. So you have some options. Still though, you got to use up essentially someone's turn, not their whole turn, but you got to use up some of their actions to get the face hugger off. And then on top of that, the unit who is mind controlled also loses their turn. So when you remove the mind control effect, that unit does nothing for that turn, even though they just got freed. So if they get mind controlled near a bunch of enemies and you kill the, uh, the face hugger from a distance, now all the enemies around him, he can't react to it and they're just going to move in and well, fuck you then. You didn't get a chance to run away. So maybe you let the face hugger stay for a turn. So maybe he, your friend moves up closely so you can and take out the face hugger in a safer spot. Maybe. But my point is, like, it's just so many plans have gotten ruined and got delayed because some sort of mindfragger that I didn't see just showed up and it's so goddamn fast. It doesn't matter where I am, it will catch me. Oh my god, it's just, they're annoying. Like, reduce the amount of mindfraggers we face in a mission, please. You already have so many of them in the nest that I don't... Just, just please stop it. Oh, my God. I, I hate mindfraggers. I really do. All the enemies, cool. All the other enemy types I fought, pretty awesome. I like them. Even the worms at Kamikaze. Cool concept. Mindfraggers, fuck them. Just, just fuck them. <laughs> please don't have them in the game. Oh, man. That's, like, that's my big gripe in come, in when it comes to enemies are mindfraggers. Especially with the nests, because the nests are special where it's, you have one or two objectives being on the nest, and there's eggs everywhere. They either hatch into a worm, or hatch into a mind fragger, so you better destroy that egg before it hatches. Because they'll hatch by either, if you damage an egg and don't kill it, it hatches that turn, and the enemy that hatched from it immediately goes. Or if you get too close to it, it hatches that turn and immediately goes. And when there's 20 eggs around that are all mindfraggers, either you're not going down that hall or you are going to be very careful and make sure you destroy every single one, one by one. It's stressful. Like Attacking a Pandorian nest or a Pandorian lair is incredibly stressful. There's a lot of winding corridors. There's not a lot of cover. It's their home turf, so there's a lot of enemies. There's a lot of eggs that could hatch. It, it's where Phoenix Point kind of shines. Because, again, you have limited ammo, so you better be packing extra ammo to ensure you can get through that nest and complete the mission. My God, can it can it be scary? Can It, it can be scary at times. Now, there's one last thing I want to talk about in terms of like the combat before we move on to the, the larger picture, the entire geoscape and everything. And that is the way they redid action points. There's This is one of those good-bad things. So remember in XCOM, it would show you a range of like, okay, 
if you use an action to move anywhere within this blue circle, you could then shoot after that. But it takes you one action no matter how far you move. If you move two squares or you move ten, that takes up one action. Period. In this game, what they did is every unit has four action points. And movement is on a tile-by-tile basis. So let's say I have four action points. And my unit could move, let's just say, ten tiles with one action point to keep the math simple. I can move those ten tiles and take up one action point. Or I could move five tiles and it only takes up half an action point. So I have 3.5 actions out of four when I'm done moving. This is very good so you can help position your units a little bit better. Like let's say you don't have the perfect shot on this enemy or you just discovered some new enemies in this location. You could inch around some cover and still take a shot. Or you can take a shot and you can move. You do like a half move, like a 0.5 move. Take a shot and then take the 0.5 move back behind cover. There's a lot more mobility going into the game. And then with that, like I said before, when the mind fragger just suddenly appeared around the corner, because I had to stop, my, my unit stopped because we saw the mind fragger. Instead of me using up the whole action point to move those 10 tiles, well, I only moved 4 tiles, so I only used up 0.4 action points. So I still have the 0.6 to move forward I want to, or retreat back away from the mind fragger. Really cool stuff. How they just changed the movement alone. Like this, That's just movement alone with action points. So I think that was a very smart move, because there was a number of times where the limited actions of XCOM fucked you up with movement and shooting. Shooting is still a, a, full, a whole number, like, Two action points, three action points, whatever. But they don't end your turn. So if your sniper has your four action points, it takes three action points to shoot your rifle, you could shoot and then move afterwards. It doesn't matter the order you do things. What matters is you have four action points to do your thing. So that alone would give some options. But they went a step further. They also have what's called willpower. So remember in XCOM, War of the Chosen, there are a lot of like those free actions you could do on your turn that had a cooldown, which sometimes made the game way too easy. Well, here, there isn't a cooldown for your abilities. You just need to use willpower. So there's a dash ability where the soldier can move up to 50% its max movement for free, but it takes up three willpower. So if I was to do essentially use all four actions to move, and that would give me 40 tiles of movement, I can instead spend three action points and move 20 tiles up to 50% my max move, and it wouldn't cost an action point. Since there's no cooldown, if you have enough willpower, you could clear the entire field with a unit and still have all four action points. That's why someone that have like Wilhelm is very powerful, because the more willpower you have, the more broken your character can be. At level 4, level 3, I got the ability to free reload. Okay, I reload my shotgun for free. I still have all my action points. Now, at this point, you think I'd be done. I'm low on will points. That's where you'd be wrong. Every time you kill an enemy, you get two will points back. Or I think it might be one, but there was an ability that Wilhelm unlocked that it said you get an additional will point back per kill. So every kill I get, I get two will points back. Well, I just killed five enemies, and there's no cap currently on the amount of will points you can have during a mission. You have, like, a starting point. Like, Wilhelm starts with 11 will points, but I could go over. So if I just spent 8 will points, I just got 10 back from those 5 kills, I now have a surplus of 2 will points, so I now have 13 will points. You know what? Let me move to the other side of the map for free, by the way, because of my dash ability, because it has no cooldown. So I can spend up to 12 will points to go to this side of the map, 
and then kill all those enemies because Rapid Clearance is still active because it's still his turn. I can kill five enemies over there, get ten will points back, reload, and then go over here and kill... Like, the reason why Wilhelm only killed 15 enemies once is because he only had 15 rounds packed for the mission. That's what stopped him. Not his action points, not his willpower, because I was getting all of it back. What stopped him was running out of ammo. He still had a full turn. Like, he still had max... Uh, action points, and he still had plenty of willpower. That's, he just ran out of bullets. That's That can be a serious problem, I feel. Because now with all my, my main group being all level 7s, that happens a lot, where I can gun down like 6 enemies a turn because everyone has free reloads and has abilities to either reduce the action points it takes to shoot, or they get refunded will points from kill shots. Now, if you run out of will points, your unit does panic. And just like the enemy, if a unit dies, all its allies use lose will points. If you get shot in the head, you lose will points. So yes, Wilhelm going fucking crazy can be dangerous because you can go down to zero. Like you can use actions to go down to zero will points and not go crazy yet. But once you hit the negatives, that's when you panic. So you could argue that, yes, it's, it's risky doing that with Wilhelm. But here's the thing. I don't feel the risk because Wilhelm can kill everything around him and then there's no worry about him getting shot and panicking because everything's already fucking dead and I still have five other guys to go to cover him. So it's great to have high will points. You want that because you can use a lot of your extra abilities. But the thing is, since there's no cap on a turn of how often you can use abilities besides the will points you have and because then you get will points back for killing things, it's a huge snowball where... Your units can be very, very, very powerful very quickly depending on how you build it and what equipment you give them. So I like the system. I do. I like the whole action point, will point system because will points, yeah, it's it's pushing yourself. It's exerting yourself further than your limits allow. And you can get penalized should you get shot or like certain abilities like the Siren's Screech. has They have a Screech ability that... Damage, that doesn't damage you, but it makes you lose will points, so you're closer to panicking. It just needs to be balanced more. I feel like there should be a cap. Like, I can only use a dash ability twice a turn. I can't go over my maximum will points. If 11 is my max will points, I shouldn't be able to go past 11. Because when one enemy dies, it's not the guy who killed it that gets the will points back. Also allies near you. So I've had sometimes where a guy has like 30 will points because everything around him is dying. He's not doing the killing. Ollie's not killing all of them. He's just witnessing them dying. As long as you can witness the kill, you gain the will points or lose it depending on whose side you're on. So if Ollie's up high witnessing all his death, he'll have 30 will points on his turn. He's done dick diddle on killing them. He's just doing some grenade blasting to wound enemies. It it, it gets tilted too far. Like Back to that, that difficulty curve, once you get high enough and you have the equipment to, to work it, it's... Things fall into place. And this is still using the base equipment. Like, I haven't upgraded my equipment yet. I'm still using the equipment from the start of the game, and I'm wiping the floor with most enemies. I haven't lost anyone yet. Thank God. <laughs> I haven't lost anyone yet. Because of just, I dump everything into will points when people level up. Because you can, when you level up, you can either unlock new abilities or increase your stats. You have a certain amount of points. Then you get upon leveling up, so it's it's balanced in that sense. Like, okay, where do I put my points? Where do I dedicate this these efforts? You know, this it, it needs a tweaking. I feel 
there needs to be a slight tweak to it so it's not as stupid. Because I feel if Wilhelm didn't have so many will points that he have access, that he have like excess, or if he didn't have the free reload or something like that, if something just limited Wilhelm slightly, there'd be a lot more going back and forth between me and the enemy to be a little bit more strategy other than just go shoot everyone. Like that's the strategy at this point for most enemies. There's a few enemy types that Wilhelm has to wait before he goes crazy. But for the most part, I just say go. And that's my strategy. Complete murder. So that is pretty much all I want to talk about in terms of like the combat. Okay. Now let's look at the bigger picture, the geoscape. Okay. And kind of Phoenix Point as this global force. So in XCOM, you had you were the XCOM project, right? You were in charge of defending the Earth from alien invasion. All right? Cool. Good concept. Nothing wrong with that. Let's roll with it. You know what always confused me, though, about the XCOM project? If this is supposed to be a global force to protect the entire Earth from alien invasion, right? Why is it you only have one dropship? You only have one base and only have one dropship. So, I mean, yeah, in terms of, like, the challenge of the game, it's supposed to be an XCOM 1. Who do I choose to help out? Because if I choose to help this guy out, then those two countries, I lose their support because they people, their people got attacked and killed. Makes sense. And then in XCOM 2, it was not as much losing support. It was just if I take out – if I do this target, I get certain rewards I don't get from these targets because I only have the one airship. Okay, which XCOM 2 made a little more sense because you're more of a rebel force. But in XCOM 1, if I'm supposed to be a global defense force, why do I only have one airship? It just didn't make sense. So in Phoenix Point, they changed that. You only start with one base. You start with one base, you got your airship, and you got your six guys. That's how the game starts. I don't know if it'll be different upon full release, but in the current backer build, that's how it starts. You have... Actually, no, it's only five guys. Yeah, you only start with five people. Three assaults, a sniper, and a heavy. And they say, go. You got your home base, you got your manticore, one which is your airship, and you got your five guys. Go make things happen. And eventually, you start to find more bases. And when you find more bases, you can do, you know, more things. Because your units can only heal and rest when you're at a base. So that's, like, one of the differences between this game and XCOM. In XCOM, when you finish the mission... Sky Ranger would go back to base, and then your units would take time to heal up at base. So, like, you want to make sure you have spare units on hand, because if this guy gets, if my assault gets wounded, I want another assault to obviously replace him for the next mission. Like, you need to do that. Makes sense. And though this game, if your unit gets wounded, they get back on the ship still wounded, and they don't heal until you fly back to base and rest at base with a medical bay. So finding more bases and building them up so they have certain components like medical bays barracks stuff like that so people can rest is good and it makes you feel like you're more of a global force because we have bases all over the globe not just the one that i keep flying back to it's no it's i'm gonna see if i can find a an old base in asia and now i'm gonna fight the forces in asia because i can get back home easily because when a mission is done damage stays there and also, you take fatigue. They took the XCOM 2 thing, where every time a soldier did a mission, 
they would get fatigue. And if they get too much fatigue, they'd have less action points. Same thing in Phoenix Point. Same thing. Just go back to a base that has some living quarters. Your units can rest. Go back to a base that has a medical bay. Your units can heal. The one weird problem about healing is, like before I mentioned, my sniper had a broken arm from getting shot. At the end of a mission, you don't get your health points back. So if you end the mission with only 80 hit points, you have 80 hit points until you go back to a med bay and spend time healing. However, limbs automatically come back. So if you do a mission and your arm breaks during the mission because it got shot, if you immediately go to another mission instead of resting at a medical bay, your arm's fine. Your, your arm's fine. Don't worry. Just, just go ahead. It's a little weird. Like, I can understand them not doing it because that means busted limbs on a mission is a huge handicap, especially if you're far away from home. That puts a big hindrance on you. So I can see why they didn't do it. It's just weird, though. So as Global Force, you have all these different bases now you're setting up, right? But you only have one manticore and you only have six guys. What am I supposed to do? Well, let me tell you, Phoenix Point, the Phoenix Project, are smart. <laughs> if a base has a vehicle bay, which some of them come with a vehicle bay built, some of them you have to build them yourself. If there's a vehicle bay, you can build another dropship. You can have another manticore. So you could have multiple squads. You could have your main squad, like I have my level 9 squad, that's hopping around the globe just looking for, like, doing main quests and stuff like that to progress the story. While I have at each base a group of, let's say, four guys, maybe not max level, but four guys at each base that can respond to threats. Because the enemy attacks havens, just like in XCOM, where the, the aliens attacked major cities, the different havens get under attack and it's important to save them because one every haven that goes down the virus can spread a little further and two if you protect a haven the people that own the place the faction they belong to start to like you more and you want positive relationships with factions to get more goodies so i've had it until recently i never thought to build another airship because i'm an idiot and i was over in the americans hopping around there, like, looking for a few things. And then back in Asia, they're like, we're under attack. The Haven's under attack. Save us. I'm like, I can't get there in time. Like, what am I supposed to do? But now I'm being a smart person, and I'm building multiple airships, and I'm going to go around and because you don't just recruit people at base. You click a button, and you buy them, essentially, like XCOM 2. Instead, you have to go to a Haven that you're friends with, and if they have a training facility, they'll be like, yes, in exchange for, you know, tech and materials will give someone to your cause. So hiring's done a bit differently. Instead of everyone supporting the Phoenix Project, there's a bunch of different factions, and you have to build up trust with the factions and trade with them for them to then give you more units. So that's also why it's important to protect havens. Because if a haven has a training facility that will willingly give you units in exchange for resources, if that haven goes down, you just lost a lifeline you just lost a supply of troops to replenish your numbers if something goes bad so now there's a much more balance globally like i feel like i'm an actual global force i'm actually flying around the globe i'm trying to protect places i have to build more airships to respond to more threats yada 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 i enjoy that i think that's that's excellent all right there's a much more managing there's a lot more management that goes on you know xcom 2 xcom 1 especially near the end game I would have, like, my A-team. I might have, like, three other sub-B-team guys that would just rotate out if an A-team unit got wounded. 
but my guys are so powerful that I'm, I don't care anymore. Like, hell, if my one guy gets wounded, I'll deploy five units on the next mission. I don't care. I'll be fine because I'll respond to whichever one is best, and then I'll leave the other missions. It's not a big deal at the end anyway. Phoenix Point, no. You need to have multiple teams on standby at all times because ignoring, ignoring that attack on that haven doesn't just mean you lose support from the leaders of that faction. It also means you just lost a lifeline. You just lost some people that could help you. Like you lost a haven that can give you troops, that could give you resources, that can conduct research for you. All of that is gone. Wiped off the face of the planet. You could get lucky. Out of all the haven attacks I've had on my file, it happened just once where the troops at the haven fought off the attacking forces. So the haven is still standing to this day because it fought off the attackers. This is out of like, I hate to admit it, a good like probably eight to ten havens that got destroyed. Only the one fought off the attackers without my assistance. So you could take the risk and leave the haven to itself, but the odds are not in its favor that's going to survive without your support. You need to get there. So I like this. I, I like this being this global force. Like, I'm scavenging for resources because I can't just build ammo. Like, XCOM, it was really just build things at times. This, everything comes with a price. And since ammo is also charged, like, yeah, I'm looking for people to support me. I'm looking to trade because I'll have leftover food. You want some food? I need materials to build more guns. I need materials to build more ammunition. Let's work this out. So... There's politics now. Like, I'm not a fan of politics. This game does politics right. You want relationships to be healthy with people. Because you have three big factions. Thunderio, Disciplines of Anu, and New Jericho. They all have their different opinions on what's been happening. You know, obviously, it's they have the whole lineup. Like, New Jericho, human rights, we need to dominate the planet if we're going to win this thing and survive. So we must kill them all and take back Earth. The Disciplines of Anu, the complete opposite. We can adapt, you know, we can find a way to meld the virus and actually survive along, like, with the virus, essentially, like, adapt to it and take over. So it's not just wipe out the Pandorians, it's, no, we are going to essentially become the Pandorians but retain our humanity. So they're looking to, like, mutate themselves. And then there's Sendario, who I find very stupid, it's like, well, politics, like, they, they play the politics game, like, they have an entire council where they have to vote on matters. And it's all philosophical. It's like, shouldn't, but should we find a way to coexist with the Pandorans? Like, are they actually sentient enough? And could we reach peace with them and live alongside them? Like, they're, it's, it's the kind of like, demo, it's more like a democratic kind of thing. So each of these groups goes about a different way. And of course, they have different feelings for each other. Obviously, New Jericho hates the disciplines of Anu because Anu is all like, why not just embrace it and new jericho's like fuck that shit we're still human we're we're not going to embrace it we're going to survive so now this with this political game going on you can try to befriend all of them but at some point you're gonna do something that pisses off on them like hey i just gave this research to new jericho and the disciples are like not cool like we're not happy with that we're really upset with that and your relationship with them goes down if it gets too bad well they start attacking each other like the disciplines of Anu might get attacked by New Jericho. Sendario may, may send some guys over to New Jericho and fuck them up. You're trying to be global, but it's more realistic, I feel, in Apocalypse. People are trying to fend 
for themselves. They're trying to look out for themselves and hold to their ideals because when things go to shit, people have a tendency to hold, like, morals kind of go out the window. Like, when things go to shit, morality kind of goes out the window and people's true beliefs more come out more. Like, it's just, this is what I believe in. This is what's going to get us through. Like, faith, you know, people have religion for a reason. Like, they want to have faith. They want to believe in something that will happen after death. They want, they feel there's some sort of guidance in having faith. That's fine. And a lot of these post-apocalyptic scenarios and movies and stuff like that, sometimes it's the people that are faithful that get a little radical. That's not saying all religious people are radical, but it definitely shows in this game where, yeah, New Jericho is a little radical. Like, I agree, yes, humanity should survive, but the fact that they're willingly killing other humans because they're a little bit different is kind of ridiculous. But that would happen. Like, that does happen even in this day in, like, certain areas that are not doing very well. That kind of infighting happens. So when you're trying to protect the planet and you're getting torn because you are Phoenix Point. So you have your own beliefs on what you should do. And sometimes there'll be times like you find information. Who do you give it to or do you destroy it? You'll get caught up in an argument that Cinderia is having in the council. Whose side are you on? Like, should we terraform or should we coexist? Like, your opinion kind of matters. Not hugely, but there are times where your opinion matters. Which is why I hope the narrative gets a bit more fleshed out with, you know, little cutscenes and things like that. Because these factions are really important. They are almost as powerful as you are. They might not have the gear you do, but you might have only two bases and they'll have 20 havens on the planet. You need them. And fighting human targets is very hard. Like, I've done two missions now that have taken on human targets. And there'll only be like maybe five or six of them. And it'll be another squad, like... Some assaults, a heavy, a sniper or two, like, pretty much kind of like me. But their gear is better. They have better armor. Like, my assaults are useless. I can't use an assault rifle because their armor is too good. I have to try and wheel them down with grenades and then move in and chip them away. Or Wilhelm's got to run in and take a pot shot and run away. Like, the game's much different finding human opponents because they are on point with you. They are just as strong, if not stronger, than you. So playing the factions is really important. So I hope there's more there in the full release with the politics, with trying to ally with multiple factions at a time and trying to find peace between them because you don't want to fight them. One, you lose that support. And two, fuck me, it's going to be tough. It's really tough fighting other humans. And they like their snipers hate my weapons. I swear, every time I fought one of their snipers... One of my guys lost their guns because they de- they just kept shooting the guns, not not the head, not the arms. No, they blew up all the guns. It's it's disgusting. It's evil. <laughs> I like it. I really like it. So the factions are pretty cool with all the different beliefs and stuff like that. The thing that confuses me though with the factions is research. So research is one of those things that I hope quality of life comes through and it gets cleaned up. Like you have a research tab that you open up and you click on something you want to research and you you set like a list, like, research this first, then this, then this, then this, yada, 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 so it goes in order, right? Now, in all the researching I've done, okay, I'd say I'm, like, maybe mid-game right now. I've explored most of the planet, and I'm still, like, finding a few new things, so I'm about a third of the way through, like, mid-game area. Just now, after doing all this research, I finally unlocked two new weapons, a new type of sniper rifle and a new type of grenade. After 
all this time. I'm still using the base gear from the beginning of the game all this way down. I have yet to upgrade my weapons. Because the research just hasn't given me the chance to do that yet. Maybe they add that in later. I don't know, because you know how I got new guns eventually? I got new guns because I partnered up with Cinderio. I, I had a pack with them now because my relationship's high enough with them. They're like, by the way, here's all our research. Like, here's the gear we like to use. You may now create it for yourself. So that, that does force you to have good relationships so you can get more gear. That's fine. But I feel it shouldn't be the only way. Because Cinderio gave me access to two different types of sniper rifles on top of some other gear. One sniper is a little less damage than the snipers I have, but has better range and accuracy. The other sniper does very little damage, but it can paralyze units, so it's more like a trank gun from long range. Why not have Phoenix Point, with the Phoenix Project, also have like some diversified weaponry that I can get? Just for that reason. So I, like, I start to kind of have options. Like, okay, if I'm going after a nest... I'm going to just take all the equipment I have for, like, just big damage and deploy that. If I'm just flying on the planet, I might get ambushed. I might change the weapons I have to do more, like, stun work and stuff like that to hold off the attacking force. It, just, it doesn't exist right now with the research, you know? It, it doesn't... Phoenix Project itself is more looking at trying to understand the virus, which makes sense. Like, no one else is trying to really understand it. They're just trying to find a way to survive. So the Phoenix Project is like, okay... Let's pick up where we left off, like, because it, it's Phoenix, you know. There was the Phoenix Project earlier when the Pandarians first showed up, and it crumbled. So now you're rising again and picking up the pieces of them. So since I'm looking more at the virus, I'm not looking at building new guns. It's, it's tough. And the research, I'm kind of like, okay, I keep doing all this research, but it's leading nowhere. You know, it's giving me flavor. It's giving me backstory and stuff like that. And it's leading into future research that I can do. But I'm not seeing like, any return right now, which kind of hurts. And then when you have your allies doing research, when you bring up the research tab, there'll be tabs at the top just to cycle through the different factions. And it'll show me Cinderio's research, but it doesn't show, like, a timer. Like, oh, this will take them... I think they're going to, like, change that later on because it doesn't show a timer right now. And then at some random point, I can click on the arrow and I'll just get it. So, like, when I ally with Cinderio, since it was a little later in the game... They had all this research completed for, like, new tech and new guns, and I just kept clicking the button next to the, the research. It's like, you unlock this, you unlock this, you unlock this, you unlock this. So it's a bit more visuals, please, would help. Like, if it would show on the side, because on the side of the, the UI on the Geoscape, it shows what you're currently researching and what you're currently manufacturing and how long it takes. Maybe if I have an ally, right below that also show what my ally is doing, so I'm kind of... I'm kind of lined up with them because if my ally starts researching something specifically, I might change what I'm researching to line up with that. Like, oh, if you're researching, you know, I'm going to be taking less damage or something like that on the next mission, you know, in future missions, maybe I need to change my research from this general research to, like, doing increased damage or getting new armor or something like that to kind of complement what they're doing, you know? So give me a little bit of that, possibly. Research definitely needs some quality of life changes. And a little more direction, because, again, without a full narrative, without, like, an opening cutscene or anything like that, like what XCOM has, I don't know where... Like, I know my research at this point is going to understand the virus, but at the start, it's kind of like, okay, what? Like, where am I going with this? So, it research is mostly quality of life. Just give us some more quality of life on the research, and I just... I want to 
I want to feel like there's a little more purpose. Like all the research I've done so far has either done nothing for me, all in progress story stuff, or it's like you get a 10% damage boost to enemies, which is cool. Like I think that's fine. That, that's totally fine. Maybe I'm just behind. Maybe like I haven't reached research enough to do mutations or get new gear. Like maybe I'm close, but I'm not there yet. So I'm going to give some time to see what happened. It would just be nice if like, it was like a research aid, like, oh, researching this can, like I would say, it can lead to, like, it would be research rewards. So I mean, like, 10% bonus to damage can lead to, and it'll show me, like, it could lead to this kind of stuff. Just, again, so I have a little more of an idea of what's going on for the research. So I'm not completely blind. Like, it's stressful enough trying to manage everything going on on the globe that at least if research was a little more direct, would be nice. And then also with research, just having, I guess, more of like a presence with personnel would be nice too. So you know XCOM 2 had it where you could find new scientists to increase research time on things. So you had like a presence, like you had staff on top of your soldiers to speed things up, right? Phoenix Point doesn't have that. Each base has personnel, but they just magically appear. So when you find a new base and bring it back online... Just only, boom, it can be used to do research. Like, just people just appear now, kind of out of thin air. There's no, like, do a mission, get a scientist, like, get a reward of a scientist. There are some missions that you can do that give you a research boost. So it just, like, the current research you're doing gets sped up. Like, that can happen. But in terms of actual personnel, besides your actual soldiers on the missions, there's no physical presence of anyone else. Like, there will be little events that will happen, like, staff at... Phoenix Echo was ex- experiencing hallucinations and nightmares. So, you know, some scientists were doing some tests on them, concluded this, yada, yada, yada. Like, there's flavor there, but I don't ever see those scientists. I don't know where those scientists come from. They just appeared at Phoenix Echo when I found it out of thin air. That's again, it's a quality of life thing. Like, most of these things that I'm, that I'm talking about that I feel should be addressed, it's quality of life stuff. Like, beyond that, the game's pretty much there. It, it needs some love. It needs some quality of life things, definitely. But in terms of core mechanics, the game is there. Like, this is a game that it is showing you everything it has to offer. And I'm really interested to fight an alien queen right now because I've yet to encounter an alien queen. And I know those things are fucking terrifying. They're very healthy. They're very bulky. They can do a lot of crazy shit. So I'm intrigued to fight one of them at some point. I've yet to get that far in the game. Which is good. Like... There's progress to this game. Like, I didn't start fighting Sirens until pretty far in. Like, I did a lot of missions fighting just the same kind of crabmen and Tritons, and then the Sirens showed up. So there's progress to the game that isn't as quick as XCOM. Like, I feel XCOM is a relatively quick game when you know what you're doing, and you can fly through it if you don't want to do all the research. I feel like Phoenix Point, with how long it takes you to do research, like, the big research takes a couple days. It's not like XCOM where it's just... Oh, you have enough scientists that will take two hours to figure out how to build laser rifles. This is like, no. Oh, you want to understand the virus? We'll get back to you in like 10, 20 days. We might have some information. Like, I feel Phoenix Point takes more time. So it really forces you to watch the globe carefully and honestly, play the waiting game. Like, just have units on standby and let time pass. And then when, you know, Havens start getting attacked, just send units there to protect it. And get some scavenging done. Like, there's always something to kind of get done while you're waiting for your research instead of just hitting the button and letting the globe spin until a mission appears. 
Phoenix Point is demanding you always do something. You're always looking for something. You're always engaged somewhere. You're not just waiting at the Geoscape back at base in XCOM. So it, it's good. It feels really good. I feel like I am a force that is trying its best to counteract the apocalypse. And it's stressful. And right now, I don't know if I'm going to pull it off my first playthrough in this backer build. I think I might need to do a second playthrough. Because there's a timer at the top showing the spread of the mist covering the planet. And when it reaches the 100%, humanity is lost. I'm currently at 30%, and I don't feel like I made any progress yet. I don't know what I need to fight back the mist, but I haven't got it yet. Because I've destroyed layers. I've taken out, taken out Pandorian layers, I've taken out Ness, but the mist is still spreading. The attacks in that location have gone down. Like, if a haven's being attacked, odds are there's a nest nearby. So even though all, all of Asia essentially has gone to the Red Mist, there haven't been any attacks there because I took out the lair there. So there's at least that. But in terms of combating the mist, I don't know what to do, and it keeps more and more keep appearing. So it's stressing me out. It's like, you know, XCOM, after, like, the first main story mission of, like, Okay, I can now capture aliens, or you know, I took out the alien base in XCOM One with the the sectoid that had a big brain. By then, I'm kind of like, okay, I can relax now. I got a hold on this. My foot's in the door. I don't have to worry about it. Phoenix Project. I'm like, I don't know if that's ever going to come. I don't think it's ever going to come. I don't think there's ever going to be a point in the Phoenix Project where I'm like, yeah, we're fine. I, I don't know if that's going to come, and I enjoy it for that reason i enjoy the fact that it's stressing you like it's it's pushing you saying look things are bleak and you're gonna try and you're going to lose at times like i'm gonna lose a couple of havens i'm going to be unable to get those resources because it's too deep in the mist and i can't secure it i like it like i'm i think this game is really scratching an xcom itch in a good way like i enjoyed xcom and this is xcom plus essentially it's it's xcom and more so yeah, the game got delayed, but I'm seeing a lot of these changes. Like, the AI has been improved. I'm seeing now mutations in the enemies, and they're changing their strategies. Hell, at one point when I was doing that whole, like, when I'm defending a building, I'll guard one of the entrances and cut down some enemies at that entrance, and you know what happens? They start calling around to other entrances. Like, they start climbing on the roof and coming into the roof or and coming around, like, to a back entrance and through the windows. Like, the AI adapts. I'm, I'm noticing the AI adapting its strategies. If I don't win right away, the enemies will start to act differently. Like, I'll expect an attack from here, so I'll guard that point, but they'll come around this way. Or if I have both entrances guarded, they'll just surround the building first. And I have to make sure I kill enough enemies surrounding the building before they enter to survive. So the AI got improved over time. They have the adaptability now. I'm seeing how factions interact with each other. There's actually story things going on. Everything's there. Everything's there. Give it some polish, guys. Like, seriously. Polish up Phoenix Point, and I think it'll be a really good game. Balance a few things. Like I said, cut back on will points. Limit the amount of times I can use an ability on a turn. Something like that. Give me something to limit myself so I don't go buck-fucking-wild every mission. <laughs> Otherwise, missions are great. You know? So, if you haven't checked out Phoenix Point, which... I mean, I could see that happening because until recently they haven't been pushing much because they were just developing it. But now that they have like a pretty solid build, like it's being pushed around the internet. Like I'm seeing sponsored ads on Facebook and stuff like that for it. 
check out Phoenix Point if you haven't done so yet. All right. And if you're able to, consider backing it. Consider doing the pre-order. It's like, when I got it so long ago, it was like, excuse me, like 30 bucks or something like that. I did get a coupon for it. But even without the coupon, it was maybe like $40. So I think it, it might be like a $40 game if they still have that. That's for like the base. They do the typical thing nowadays where it's like, oh, you can get a premium package or whatever, like extra stuff. Uh, but if you look and just get the game, I think it's 40 I think they're still selling it for 40 online. And it's through Epic Games. You need the Epic Game launcher to play the game. But beyond that, it's you know it's a thing. It's there. It's, it's nice. It's a nice game. And one other thing about cleaning up the game... For whatever reason, when I go to boot the game up, no joke, I'm waiting a good five plus minutes for the game to boot up. Please, please, please fix that. The loading times in game aren't that bad, but the initial boot up takes forever. So hopefully that gets polished up. And it's not just my computer being a fucking dick. Hopefully they polish that up later on. So yeah, check it out. Give it a look, see, especially if you like XCOM or just strategy games in general. It's definitely a game to check out. All right. So I give it my stamp of approval. I would recommend checking it out. All right. Oh, boy. Well, I've been at this for a half, an hour and a half, and it's a great game. I'm tired right now, so we're going to sign off for now. I'm done right now. There's probably some things I missed in reviewing a Phoenix Point, and there's probably some things that sounded weird because I had to correct myself. I apologize. I've been playing a lot of D&D this weekend. I've been playing a lot of board games with friends. It's been a very... Busy, busy weekend. Uh, but uh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm glad I had a chance to talk about Phoenix Point. So for now, everyone, take care. Looking at the calendar, next Sunday, we're going to do a thing. And the Sunday after that, we're going to do a list. But next Sunday, we'll see what happens. So until then, take care, everyone. Enjoy school if you're back in school. If you're not in school, you know, just, just enjoy yourself, man. You, you do you, girl. Do the thing you got to do. So thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Enjoy. And I will see you all next week.